Hello, everybody. This is Usapang Pinoy, um, our podcast for today. If you're surprised to not hear the familiar voice of Ms. Jane Rowland, I am Joan Mamawal de Roche. I am her substitute today because she is on a well-deserved break in the Philippines. And that's great. Um, I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm really jealous. So good morning, everybody. Good evening and good afternoon. So today uh, I'm going to talk about an interesting topic. It's a little bit off topic, but uh, before anything else, I just wanted to make some important announcements in our Filipino community here in Georgia. So um, let's not forget, um, there is a Pawag annual Christmas party on December 2nd at the Happy Valley Dim Sum. Asian Cuisine in Norcross, Georgia, 30093, uh, just in case, so you don't get lost. But uh, the tickets are at $65 ahead. It's for a very good cause. Uh, they provide support for um, women uh, who have uh, been abused or battered, um, and uh, they provide them help and shelter. Uh, also, on uh, December 4th in, at 4.30 or 5.30 in the afternoon is the Philippine American Chamber of Commerce of Georgia Christmas party that will be held at Foviet number one. It is an exclusive party, but if you want to join in the fun, come and be a member. And, uh, of course, very, very important is the runoff, uh, runoff elections on December 6th. Uh, however, you can do early voting from 11.26 to 12.2, but check your local uh, county for the locations. Your election schedule, it will be from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Hindi pa tapos ang halalan sa darating na December 6 o sa mas bagong pagboto simula November 28 ay pagkakataon ka pa upang makapaghalal ng senador sa US. Bilang ang kasalukuyang senador, ipaglalaban ni Reverend Rafael Warnock ang pagkakaroon ng oportunidad sa ekonomiya at ang personal na kalayaan para sa ating mga pamilya. Naniniwala siya sa mas mababang buwis para sa masisipag na pamilya at mas malaking puhunan para sa edukasyon upang ang mga kabataan ay lumaking may pag-asa sa kanabukasan. Bago o mismo sa araw ng December 6, bumoto para ipagtanggol ang pangarap ng Amerika. Iboto muli si Senador Rafael Warnock. Ang mensaheng ito ay binabayaran ng Emerging Voters Inc. www.emergingvoters.org at hindi pinahihintulutan ng sino mang kandidato o komite ng mga kandidato. Emerging Voters Inc. ang responsable sa nilalaman ng komunikasyong ito. So I'm back. Uh, today... Uh, we are going to speak with a special guest who I happened to meet about a month ago at her farm. Uh, her name is Jennifer Arnold. She is the founder and executive director of Canine Assistance. It's a nonprofit profit organization that teaches and provides service dogs for children and adults with physical disabilities or other special needs all over the USA. And they're just in our backyard. They are in Milton, Georgia, and they started operations in 1991. So if you can please stand by, we will connect with her, and we'll have a nice conversation about service talks.
So hello. Hi, Jennifer. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, when I had a chance to meet Mosey, your diabetic service dog, I, I was so impressed because when I asked her if my blood sugar was high or low, and she answered my question clearly, she was such a good girl. I mean, it was amazing. Uh, she just knew how to talk to me and how They're to make very me- smart. Yeah, how, how, and how I understood her really quick. And we even just met each other, and you wouldn't really think she's a dog. She's almost human. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think most dogs um, are a lot smarter than, than we might imagine. We, we simply don't give them what they need to show that to us. Wow. I, I guess so. We assume that they're just a dog. But to thank you so much for accept, accepting my invitation to speak to us today. Uh, we wanted to talk about your organization, Canine Assistance. Um, so tell us, what inspired you to create the organization? Tell us your story. Well, when I was 16, I was diagnosed um, as having multiple sclerosis, a diagnosis that's since been changed to a, a related um, autoimmune disease called relapsing polychondritis. But I used a wheelchair myself for a little over two and a half years altogether and um, just, you know, fell apart. Um, I thought I would need a wheelchair for the rest of my life when I was first diagnosed. And um, my dad, who was an, an eye surgeon in Atlanta, had just read um, about a woman in California who, for the first time anywhere in the world, was teaching dogs to help people who use wheelchairs. Unfortunately, she couldn't send a dog uh, as far away as Georgia. She just had a few dogs then in her own home. And um, so Dad thought this would be you know, maybe something to do to get me up and out of the bed. But unfortunately, um, the Friday after Thanksgiving, as a matter of fact, in 1980, um, he met with a CPA, and with my blessing, they named the program Canine Assistance, and um, my dad was walking home from my grandmother's house. She lived a block away, um, and he was on a sidewalk that goes around a big park, Chastain Park in Atlanta, and a drunk driver on a motorcycle jumped up on the sidewalk and hit him, and um, he died the next morning in the hospital where he worked for most of his career. So, um, that's horrible. Yeah, that was pretty devastating. Um, it took my mom and I 11 years to, um, raise the money to finally start the program. But I held on very tightly to the idea. Sorry. Makes me weepy all these years later thinking about it. But, um, it was that idea that no matter how hard your life gets, if you focus on trying to make it easier for other people, um, you have a reason to keep fighting. Um, that's what kept me going. So quite a backstory, I know, but. You're making me choke up all, already. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. That's, that's true grit. Um, wow. So, um, so I did get the chance to read the brochures when I was up at your farm. And, uh, could you tell us 
a little bit more about the programs at Canine Assistance, both for dogs sure. and humans? Well, we started um, if, as a service dog school focused on helping people who have difficulty with mobility, obviously. Um, you know, that was my need. And um, it, fairly quickly, we added um, medical detection dogs who can recognize um, the scent of an oncoming epileptic seizure um, and or respond to a seizure um, once it starts, go for help, et cetera. And then, you know, we've since added other um, programs. We um, work with people who have type 1 diabetes, um, Addison's disease, um, cystic fibrosis, a number of health conditions. And we also are um, one of, if not the leading provider of um, facility dogs um, who work full-time um, in pediatric hospitals in the United States. Um, so we've grown and it's, it's become more diverse. Um, we use a lot of volunteers here, which is, uh, they are a mainstay. Um, what we do is obviously very labor intensive. Mm -hmm. So we rely a lot on our volunteers and always are looking for new volunteers. So how many volunteers do you have right now? I read about 300. We do have a, a little over 300 um, on the roll books. Um, but, you know, as with any organization, um, not all of those folks are active at any one time. Um, so, you know, that's why there's kind of always a need. Um, it's, a, it's a tiring and emotionally, you know, the the volunteers help us raise and educate these extraordinary dogs. And when they graduate, um, it's tough. It's hard on people. That's so, right. Um, yeah, I wondered yeah. about graduation because you're going to have to say goodbye to your student, correct? Right. We, we have a deal here. We never say goodbye. Just see you later. Oh. So you um, get to visit with your, your pal. Well, we are part of one another forever. Um, we've all worked so closely together. You know, the dogs have worked so closely with their instructors here and with their volunteers that they never truly leave us, even if we don't get to see one another. Um, you know what? That's my fear. I wanted to, I want to volunteer, but I, that is my fear. If I get attached to a pet or, or to a dog, and you know, I would I wouldn't know how to handle it. So if I were to volunteer, so what you're saying is, well, I we won't let you. We won't let you get that. You know, we don't use puppy raisers, so we don't send the dogs off to grow up in people's homes. Um, it, our volunteers take dogs for a week or two. Um, multiple times during the course of their education. But the dog's home base is our 18-acre farm here uh, in Milton, Georgia. So it, it, that helps a little bit because, you know, the dog doesn't live with you full time. Um, and you get to rotate, basically, is what you're saying. And you do. Oh, yes. okay. Well, the dog rotates and you, ro as a volunteer, you would rotate. So you would have different dogs. Um, come into your home and and that really does make it easier and 
you know, as dogs who are um, approaching the graduation, um, you know, as, as you're working with a dog who's approaching graduation, we maybe add in a younger puppy. So you have another dog um, on whom you can focus mm. when your graduate goes. Oh, okay. What type of breeds or type of dogs are preferable in the program? I know you I know you you breed them, but just just so our audience knows what typically Well, and let me yeah. say this about about breeding the the dogs. Um I when we first started, we adopted all of the dogs that we used from rescue organizations and shelters. I still believe that that is entirely possible to do. Um, it it simply takes, you know, really assessing the dogs and finding dogs for whom um, that service dog work isn't too hard, isn't too much, um, which is difficult when when a dog has been hurt and you know, arguably any dog in a shelter or rescue program has experienced trauma. Um, and so we don't want to make their lives harder. Um, but there are dogs who are absolutely suited to this work in in shelters and rescue programs. I always want to say that because I don't want people to feel like, um, you know, that's not possible. Uh, what we found as we began to need more and more dogs um, was that because we work primarily with um, golden retrievers, Labrador retrievers, um, mixes thereof, and um, golden doodles, um, we, we found ourselves in, um, you know, having to compete with, uh, you know, rescue programs who wanted to adopt these dogs out of shelters, knowing they could easily find homes for them. Um, we found that we were really only adopting the dogs who were otherwise adoptable, if that makes sense. Mm, so, um, yeah, and then, yeah. Yeah, okay. I see. And that and the concern that, you know, these dogs may well have to cope when their human loses consciousness at the Atlanta airport. And that is a lot to ask of a dog. And and there is an advantage to um, being able to raise uh, the dogs from early puppyhood. Well, um, that's, helping. that's the same for humans, right? You start them young. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And, but it is entirely possible also to work with dogs who are, who are you know, young adults. Um, it's just for a program like ours, um, it, it's difficult to find the number of candidates that we would need, yeah. which so, is, a, you know, another reason we started our breeding program. How do you, how do you, uh, okay, so we spoke a lot about the dog-human bond when I was visiting the farm, and you did tell me that as a pet parent, you told me, and I remember this very well, you told me that I understand more about it than I realize. And for people who love dogs, does this bond um, come about naturally, or is there a science behind it? No, I, I mean, I, first of all, well, I think that when you truly love your dog and healthy love, 
um, you know, which can be difficult to define. But um, love that is about providing a secure attachment to your dog and encouraging your dog to um, to have confidence in himself or herself. Um, you know, that kind of love produces a, an automatic bond between you. Um, and that makes that makes educating the dogs, and we never say training here. I am um, I do not believe in in dog training. I, I don't. I think that um, I love many dog trainers and think they're wonderful people who are doing the best they can in sort of a a tough system. But I I don't believe that. Um, that our dogs should be conditioned to sit down, stay, shake, um, when we cue them to do so. I think um, mandating their physical positioning like that is really stressful uh, for the dogs. And so we don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, we teach them to, for example, answer binary yes, no, either, or questions. And, you know, Jen, when you think about it, when we when we would ask a dog to sit, what we really meant was not I want you to put your haunches on the on the ground as much as I need you to be still for a minute or be calm for a minute. Mm-hmm. So here we say, can you be calm for a minute or can you be still for a minute? So and the dog understands the words, huh? They they absolutely if they don't they don't understand all the words uh, undoubtedly but but they understand our tone and our body language mm-hmm. and and they pick up on all of that and we can um, we can give them you know make requests based on their demeanor and still allow them to control their bodies. Mm. Yeah, um, because in, which, in in situations like uh, when when they actually start working, they need to really pay attention. So, uh, do they learn that because of the connection with a human? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so that connection, they, they'll they'll take the cue from the recipient, the the owner. Correct. Yeah. They synchronize with their person because um, that's what social animals do. Mm. Uh, and you know dogs and people are the two most social species on the planet and so you do um, tend to teach the recipients as well so they go through a, a program absolutely. as well yeah so how long absolutely. does the process take well the dogs are here um, until they're about two years of age and a lot of that is it's really just a maturation time. Um, it, you know, they, they certainly are in school the whole time, but, but they could graduate earlier if we didn't need to wait for them to, to just grow up a little bit. Um, what happens to the dogs that don't get matched? That doesn't happen very often here. Um, we are well over 95% of the dogs that we breed make it into service. Um, Okay. So uh, that's that's very rare. Um, occasionally, we'll have a dog that maybe has an orthopedic injury or something that necessitates their staying close to our veterinary clinic. Um, mm-hmm. And so we'll find a private home 
for those dogs, but um, yeah. it just doesn't happen very often. Oh, and then I also know that you take care of the dogs from cradle to grave. So um, how do you manage that? It must be very expensive. It's not inexpensive, that's <laughs> for sure. I mean, it's, it's just very labor-intensive. I mean, that's obviously our, you know, well... The veterinary care, um, my husband actually is our staff veterinarian, and, and we do have, um, you know, we're able to look after most of their veterinary needs. Um, we'll send out, um, when we need major surgical interventions like, you know, orthopedic, certain orthopedic surgeries, um, et cetera, we have a, a couple of wonderful surgeons in the community that we use, but for the most part, um, you know, we, we get discounted veterinary care um, because my husband's on staff. Um, and then, you know, the, but uh, medications are expensive. Their, you know, their food is expensive. Um, it's, it's a costly endeavor. And, you know, that's why we rely so heavily on donations. Yes. Okay. Uh, and, uh and that's the reason why we're speaking to you. So um, we're, we we want to support we want to support your organization and s get the word out. Um, and so our listeners, well, some of our listeners are probably pet parents. Um, do you have programs for for pet parents that may help us, uh, other than being a volunteer learning? or studying the, the dog bond connection under your programs, is there, would it be beneficial for ordinary pet parents like myself to join in? Yeah, well, I um, have a, a book that I've written several, several books. Um, my latest is called Love is All You Need. Um, and I think that would be beneficial um, for pet parents. And, um, and then we have a, a website, an affiliated website um, called uh, Bond Based Institute or just www.bondbased.org. Mm -hmm. um, and there's lots of information there uh, that can help pet parents work with their own dogs mm -hmm. and live with their own dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I'll take a look at, I'll look into that. Uh, that. That sounds great. Um, so uh, I wanted to ask this question about service dogs. Why aren't we allowed to pet a service dog? Well, you would be allowed to pet our, our dogs. Um, our dogs actually wear patches on their vests that say, ask to pet me, I'm friendly. Um, you know, we would always ask the public to be respectful and if it appeared that the dog and person that the team was uh, intently focused on something not to interrupt but um i really you know the theory behind it is that you will interrupt um you will distract the dog right um our belief is that if you can distract the dog um in a way that's significant, um, we maybe didn't do our job very well, um, or the handler is the human part of the team is um, not doing their job very well. Um, so we don't, you know, we don't have that that 
concern about people interacting with the dogs, provided they ask, and it seems like a, a good time um, to do so. But, uh, you know, for guide dogs, uh, I can understand not wanting to um, interrupt their mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically, you know, it's still a debate, but what you're saying is uh, your dogs will likely not get distracted because they have that job to do and they know what they're doing is what you're saying. Well, they love their person more than life itself. So, you know, when you're with the, the person that you love more than anything, uh, it's not as easy to, to distract a dog who truly loves their person that much and is that focused on I noticed on that with my dog. You know, wherever I go, his eyes keep following me. It's like I'm watching every second, and there isn't anything that I do that he doesn't know about. Right. And <laughs> if you were out in public together, and you were really encouraging your dog to stay focused on you, it having somebody come up and respectfully pat your dog is not going to do anything to hurt that, you know, that focus. I mean, for a split second, your dog might focus on whomever's petting them but they they go right back um to being focused on you it's just you know we just don't believe that it is um that it is critically important but uh, we've learned those things you know over our 30 plus years in in the business when we first started all of our dogs wore the please don't pet me i'm working patches and you know we we said, oh, no, letting them interact with people in public. And, and, you know, one day we thought, why not? I mean, what are we <laughs> doing? And quite frankly, people have a tendency to pet the dogs anyway. They right. simply would be patting the dog while reading, please don't pat me. I'm working, you know, <laughs> as they're patting. Yeah. It's just awkward for everybody. Yeah. So, so just living life, right? Just like. We decided yeah. to change the, the little pats to have it say, you know, please ask to pat me. Can, I'm friendly. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about how a dog is matched? Like how does the process go? How does one get a apply for a service dog? And how long does it take? Because we might have people in the audience who might be interested in wanting to or needing to to apply for one? Well, um, we have uh, you know a waiting list that is uh, fairly extensive, but we we encourage people to apply anyway. Our, our waiting list is not first come first serve. It is based on how much a dog can do to help an individual, an individual physically, socially emotionally, medically, that's 50%. And the other 50% is how appropriate the placement is for the dog, how, how well a dog would do in, in that particular env- environment or home. Um, so at, on our website, caninassistance.org, um, you, there's a link that you follow. And the first step is to fill out a we call our pre-app. It's a preliminary um, application that has a series of questions really designed to to determine whether or not um, a given individual is a good fit for our program. There are lots of programs now out there, mm-hmm. which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know we are we are unique. 
Uh, we are committed to being bond-based and using what we call the bond-based approach rather than training. And mm-hmm. and for some people, that's going to be very difficult. So we ask that people initially fill out this pre-app, and then our um, recipient services coordinator, um, a social worker uh, named Nicole Hearn, reaches out and and um, takes you from there and either says, you know, that we may not be the right spot for you. Um, you might get a dog faster and be more comfortable um, looking at other programs or, you know, we think you'd be a good fit for us. And, um, you know, the, the waiting list just varies based on that level of need too. And so we, it's hard to say, Yes. I mean, there's a way. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> yeah. they'll get a consultation, and then um, right, and then they'll right. get a little bit of education, and, and then they fill out. A, they fill out well, out. they fill out a, a more in-depth um, application, and <clears throat> we try to figure out. I mean, you know, we we come up with that that sort of ranking score, which it sounds terrible, but. <laughs> um, how badly the dog is needed and how appropriate the placement right. is for the dog determines how long you're going to wait. Right. What's fantastic about your program, it's really both about the dogs and the human, and there's a lot of personalization that comes along with it. Um, I think that's, that's yeah. important for both species. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like we're recognizing that, hey, dogs are just as important as people, that it's, it's not just a dog. You know, well, you know what we yeah. missed for so long, though, is that it, with uh, working dogs and assistance animals, um, assistance dogs, if the dog isn't happy and comfortable and confident um, and secure, they're not going to be able to do their job well. And in, their, in order to have a dog who is safe in public and, you know, assistance dogs have legal access to all public places with the exception of hospital operating and delivery rooms. So they're going to, these are dogs are going to be out in public in order to be no threat to the public um, in order to be safe in public. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dogs have to feel safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and for so long, we really focused on first what the dogs could do to help people and then what we needed to do to help the dogs, we finally realized that we had that backwards, that we have to start with the dog first. I just love that, helping dogs help people. Helping right. dogs help people. And that, that's really a great mantra. Um, so um, with that, what is your greatest need right now? Before we wrap this up, um, what is canine assistance great need right now and maybe maybe we can just have an appeal to our audience well unfortunately our greatest need is always funding and it always will be um we uh, have such a huge waiting list um that you know we we really don't build up cash reserves so um funding is always um, our primary concern. Uh, so, uh, you know, we would be grateful for any donations that people can make. And we do have a, a wish list, an Amazon wish list on our website um, for items if people would prefer to donate 
you know, specific items. Oh, that's, that's, oh, hooray for Amazon. That's great. That makes it easy. All you have to do is go in there, look for canine assistance, and then click away, right? Right. Right. Absolutely. Right. Wow. You know, I'm going to, you're going to see a lot of me soon. I, I will yeah. be volunteering. <laughs> I'm a fan and I'm so happy you accepted our invitation. And I really enjoyed this conversation, Jennifer. Well, it was a great privilege to get to talk to you. And, and I enjoyed meeting you a few weeks back. And I look forward to having you back out here. Oh, me too. Awesome. Well, well, thank you so much, and I hope you have a great, great rest of your day. And don't forget to vote. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> you too. Yeah. Take care. All right. All right. Okay. Goodbye. Bye-bye.